has it been pretty crazy this time around doing this? Have you been able to go to any radio stations out in the Nashville area to do a promo tour? No, I have not. Thank goodness, though, I did do my like rate like official radio tour in the fall of 19. So right before the shutdown, I had actually for four months, I think I was home in Nashville for maybe two days. Oh, really? So, like I've done that whole thing. And so thank goodness I'm not having to do everything virtual because, you know, I mean, it still gets the job done, but it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's great for me, though, because I wouldn't be able to talk to someone like you unless I was doing it like this. So that's a good thing that's come of it anyway. So absolutely. No, it's definitely I think it's going to make some things a lot easier. Um, I wonder if radio tour will actually ever even be a thing again. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Cool. Well, I like to do things a little different on my podcast and I like to go through the journey rather than just talking about the new album. We'll talk about that in a bit, but I want to start from sort of the earliest point that I can. Yes. And from what I could find, let's start at five-year-old Lainey in kindergarten who was terrified to sing butterfly kisses at her graduation. Little Lainey who's so outgoing was afraid to sing. Is that true? So true. It's so crazy, like how you grow up and grow out of things. But yes, uh, five years old, uh, my grandmother had kind of figured out that maybe I could sing a little bit on the way to her house one weekend. I was sitting in the back seat and uh, we were singing, how much is that doggy in the window? And she was kind of turned around. I remember her looking at me being like, dang, like, you, you can kind of sing. So when she brought me home that weekend, she told my mama, she was like, uh, I think Lainey is going to be able to sing. And my mom was like, I don't know about that. I mean, we're not a family full of singers. You know, there's a <laughs> lot of people in my family who, who absolutely love music. And like my daddy plays guitar and a little bit of piano and my mama dances, but you know, it's not loaded full of singers. So okay. <clears throat> my kindergarten graduation was coming up and, um, I was going to dress up like a little butterfly for our play. And it just so happened that the teacher asked me if I could maybe sing butterfly kisses. So I just remember being in my old house, my parents' house in the kitchen with a tape player. And since there was no like karaoke tracks or anything like that, and two, I mean, I was five years old, I couldn't read. Um, My mama would, she would play literally the first line of the song of butterfly kisses. And then we'd rewind it and we'd listen to the second line. And we'd rewind it. And that's how I learned the song and got up there, was absolutely terrified. Um, but was one of the like coolest moments, even just as a little five-year-old girl, I can just remember being like, wow, I just did it. <laughs> and you say that there was no singers in your family, like as far as grandparents or great grandparents, was there singers there or are you cut from a totally different cloth when it comes to that throughout your family? Yeah, it's interesting. It's, my mama's mama could sing a little bit. Um, she could kind of carry a tune. Um, but yes, other than that, like when I tell you there's no singers in my family, on both sides of my family, people play musical instruments. So there is a whole lot of like deep love for music for music and just appreciation for it. Like my daddy's daddy used to take me to bluegrass festivals growing up. That's where we spent most of our summers. And um, but yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like there's not there's not a whole lot of singers in my family. So around the campfire growing up, were you always the singer then? I was a singer. Yes, of course. Other people could play instruments like my daddy, but uh, it was so much fun growing up. I mean, literally daddy would pull out the guitar and he'd play Buck Owens, Glenn Campbell, 
Hank Williams and, you know, mama was dancing and me and my sister were making up little dance routines to every song he'd play. So surrounded by music, I mean, and my love for storytelling, I really, truly feel like um, really came from where I'm from because I'm from Northeast Louisiana, a little town of 300 people, 299 Mm -hmm. after I left. But (laughs) it was, you know, not a whole lot to do. And we would sit around the kitchen table and we'd listen to music all the time and, and daddy would play the guitar. But um, for the most part, the, we would just like tell the same old stories that we've heard a million times. And, you know, the kind of stories that like get better every single time you hear them. And um, so I believe that's really kind of why I ended up wanting to tell stories. And you say a town of 300 and 299 when you left growing up, did people leave like after they graduated? Did they leave? Was that something that you knew or a lot of the time did people just stick around? Yes. Um, a lot of the time people stuck around, you know, my sister, um, she does live about 30 miles away now from my home. She's married with kids and all that. But for the most part, like if you left or even went to college, um, you came back. And so it's, it was kind of like a, a crazy thing that, I ended up moving so far away from home, but I'll tell you this, I literally have had stars in my eyes from as literally as just far back as I can remember. I've just always been that kind of person. And, um, I ended up writing my first song at nine years old. Mm -hmm. And literally as soon as I wrote that first song, it was, that was it. It latched on to me, wouldn't let go. Do you remember that first song and what the lyrics were based on? I do. I do. It's called Lucky Me. And uh, back in the day, I love me some Britney Spears. So it was a little it's kind of got like a little Britney Spears edge to it. But it's so crazy, like especially the songs that I wrote when I was a little girl. I remember I remember the melodies like I didn't play a musical instrument at the time. At nine years old, I was just writing music. Uh, I was literally just like grabbing melodies from the sky (laughs) and just doing an acapella. And then I finally learned how to play guitar a few chords at 11 years old. and then. After that, it was like, yep, this is it. <laughs> and when you started writing, were what sort of place were you writing from? Were you just sort of grabbing words from the sky and putting them down? Or was it emotional for you or what? When you started out, what was that like? Definitely was not an emotional thing for me when I first started out. Um, I was writing about tequila and cigarettes when I was 10 years old. So, <laughs> I mean, it was it was interesting. Like my parents, we didn't have tequila or cigarettes in the house. So my, my family was like, where in the world is she getting this from? But um, I would just listen to grown up people's conversations or listen to other country songs. And I knew that, you know, uh, there was a whole lot of country music that talked about tequila and cigarettes. So, um, so I stuck it in mind too. And not only at nine, was it the writing that kind of got you hooked, but that was your first trip into Nashville at nine. Yeah. So it was probably two weeks after I wrote my first song, we went on a family vacation to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And on the way home to Louisiana, I begged my parents to drive through Nashville. And from that moment on, I'm telling you, is um, the craziest thing. Like I remember being on I-40 in the backseat with my sister. And I remember looking at the Batman building and saying out loud, I said, this is home. And my parents, you know, of course, my mama turned around. She was like, Lady like you're nine years old. What are you talking about? Like, no, Baskin is your home, you know? And, um, but I knew then, and I don't know if I like manifested it or exactly what it was, but 
I had this crazy feeling in my gut um, that has never really gone away that this is it, that this is what I was supposed to do. I didn't know how I was going to get here. Um, and it has been a journey and a half. I'm talking about, I've just tried to take every single opportunity that I could. If it had something to do with music, I was there, I was in it. And, you know, in high school, I impersonated Hannah Montana. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Let's yeah. talk about that a bit, not in great length, but talk about that because you were doing what three birthday parties a weekend. Eventually okay. once you got into that. I was, man, I was doing three or four parties a weekend, like birthday parties, fairs, festivals. The last one I did was at St. Jude. Um, every now and then, Lainey Wilson would open up the show for Hannah. Sometimes <laughs> they'd be like, no, we just want Hannah. So it was, it was cool. I mean, it taught me a whole lot. It also taught me that, you know, if you want something, you got to go get it. And uh, it was definitely hard. I mean, I, I hugged, I mean, I literally just like drugged this little portable sound system around Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas and Tennessee for five years and, and did it. Yeah. And also at the age of nine, I wanted to talk to you about the horse that your daddy bought you. And he just said, get on and ride. And the lesson that you taught that taught you to basically just hold on, on this game of life. Wow. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is one of my favorite stories, but yeah, I remember my daddy bringing home my horse, which I still have him, and he's getting a lot older now. But um, daddy put me on the back of it, and the horse was bucking. I was crying, saying, let me down. I, I need to get off. I need to get off. And um, I won't ever forget, we were in our horse arena, and he said, he said, no, you better hold on. You better hold on. And at the time, you know, I didn't know I was learning one of the biggest lessons of my entire life, but I truly was, and I carried that lesson on into um, my personal life, but also like my professional. And um, when I feel like I'm about to fall off, I just hold on a little tighter. And at the end of the day, it's all about the ride. You know, it's, it's going to be a crazy ride. And I know that, I mean, it's already been a lot of ups and downs and, um, but never have I ever wanted to let go. And how did you get off that horse the first time you rode it? Did you get bucked off? Or did eventually the horse calm down and you were able to, to get off normally? Yes, eventually the horse stopped bucking. And um, I think that's really like a good representation of how life is. I mean, sometimes it definitely bucks you off, but um, you get right back on. But, you know, just hold it. It's like, you know, going through a storm. You just like hold on tight and eventually it will pass. And then how far after high school was it that you left for Nashville? Was it pretty quick? Yeah, so I actually went to college uh, in class for about a year, a year and a half. And then I decided, you know, if I'm really going to do this thing, then I need to be in Nashville, out of sight, out of mind. So right. I started to say, uh, start taking um, online classes and I bought a camper trailer, a Flagstaff bumper pull camper. I hauled it to Nashville and really kind of crazy uh, full circle kind of story is there was a guy also from my hometown. His name was Jerry Cupid. And um, he was my mentor growing up. Like he moved to Nashville in the late seventies and was a producer and a songwriter. And my grandfather, the one who used to take me to all these bluegrass festivals actually gave Jerry like $300 to help him move to Nashville and get started. And as a favor in return, years later, he let me live in his studio parking lot for free for three years it really is crazy how, you know, life works like that. And I ended up living there for the first three years. Um, 
and he ended up actually passing away and he was really the only person that I knew in town and I didn't know I didn't know how to like get restarted like I just was kind of like a fish out of water you know I mean of course completely in culture shock but um aside from that just like this is just it's a hard town Nashville is it's difficult to figure it out and I think you know if there was a certain way everybody'd be doing it everybody's journey is so different and unique and um it's been wild and when you drove away from home when you were driving away from Baskin what was your feeling were you sad or were you excited because of the journey you know you knew you were headed out on I was excited I knew that home was always going to be there and I knew that you know um the people in the town my my people my family those are the ones that really make up my hometown anyway you know like if you if you picked up my town and, and just moved the people somewhere else then that would still be my town and um I knew that I had their support I knew that it was going to be hard I knew that um you know there were going to be times where I was probably going to want to pack my stuff and leave um but I have never in a million years ever had a plan B um <laughs> this has really been it like I've always kind of felt like if you have a plan B, then plan A is not going to work. So I'm pretty hard headed. Um, and I have just been like bound and determined to figure it out. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy too, because like you see so many different stories and like of how people get to certain places in their life. And, um, and sometimes you compare yourself and your story to other people's, but at the end of the day, I've always just kind of had this weird sense of peace. Um, knowing that like it was going to be okay it was going to be figured out and you know it's going to it's going to happen when the timing is right and what did your parents think when you were driving away up to that point did they think you were really going to do it or all the way along have they also had the realization that you were going to be going someday they've always known that i was going to go they have been so i'm telling you supportive um it's so crazy like every single little opportunity i could take um like singing competitions, uh, whatever it was, singing at the nursing home. It was like my daddy would pay for us to get there and my mama would take me. And it's just been really been like this team effort from the very beginning. And so they were not the least surprised whenever they found out, you know, um, they just encouraged me. They helped me buy my camper. <laughs> and it was a little bit of like, you know, but of course I wanted to move to Nashville and get an apartment and all these things. And But my daddy was like, we're going to see just how bad you really want it. So when I didn't come home after the first three years, they were like, okay, she's, she wants it. Right. And the songwriting, how important was that in gaining a foothold in Nashville? Do you think if you just went as an artist and didn't have that songwriting side that you would have lasted? Absolutely not. Songwriting is, is the thing that has helped me get to this point. I mean, before I was an artist, I would have considered myself a songwriter, you know, and um, I think for me, it's been important to, you know, to write songs for myself just because I think you can tell, you can tell which ones are genuine to me. Now, here's the thing, at the end of the day, a good song is a good song. You know, I'm very open to like cutting out and recording, you know, outside songs, but yes, for me, like songwriting was my way to get my foot in the door. And, but it still took me years and years and years. I mean, this guy named Luke Combs, he ended up cutting one of my songs called Share If You Want To. And I saw that you wrote with him in 2014, right? 
<clears throat> yes and we've written a bunch of other songs too but okay. that song right there is you know it was like my first cut in town and um but that still didn't get me a publishing deal it was like man what I do I was just trying to write with you know other artists to just somewhat somehow you know get it going maybe if I can get a cut or this or that like maybe it'll lead me to the next thing so yes I've always just focused on and led with the whole songwriting thing because I knew at some point there would be a, a group of people who um believed in like what I did and the cool thing about it is I signed with Sony ATV in November of 2017 and about six months after that I got a record deal because they were pitching pitching my music to their other artists to their other female artists and they're in the bands and stuff like that so all of these you know a and r's at certain labels would hear my voice on a demo and they were like wow okay well what what's she doing you know so that's really kind of how the pot got stirred was through my songwriting and is there a difference in the feeling you had when you signed those two contracts because they were pretty close together um but which one was sort of the most exciting because you have the publishing one that is your first, but you yes. have the artist one that's got to feel pretty good. Yeah. Um, that's a hard, hard question. Um, I will tell you when I signed my publishing deal, I was a little bit like, I kind of felt like I've been like preparing for the race my entire life. It's like, I've been training for the race. And then I finally, you know, got offered a publishing deal and I was like, okay, now I've entered the race, you know? And then once I got, a record deal was like, now I'm running the race, you know? So it's been a lot of like different kind of like gear shifting. And, um, but I, I'm like, I'm kind of crazy in, in this sense, but like, I'm always super grateful for opportunities and, and things like that. But I'm always a little bit like, what's next? You right. know, like I've, I've got my publishing deal, I've got a record deal, but I know that at the end of the day, the hard work is just beginning. And um, my parents taught me to roll my sleeves up. So that's what I'm gonna do. And especially in Nashville, no matter what stage you're at, if you slow down, even if you're established, is that a career killer almost? If you just kind of take your foot off the gas and say, oh, I've made it. I can just relax. For sure. And, you know, I think um, I could have easily done that during COVID, during this entire time. You know, I could have took my foot off the gas. Um of course, we're not able to write in person, you know, I mean, like, you know, we're doing a lot of Zooms and stuff and we're having to find inspiration in different places. But had I had I been like, oh, this is going to be like a break for me, like I'm just going to like take a little time off. I absolutely think things would look a little different than they do right now. But because I've truly gotten up every day and been like, I'm not going to let this time go to waste. But it truly is amazing how much ground you can cover without really going anywhere. And um, it can be done. And thank God for technology. Thank God that I'm still able to connect with people and fans and, and do podcasts and interviews because, um, I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine if we weren't playing shows. And then on top of that, you know, not getting opportunities like this. And you talk about the shows, talk about the Opry and what that opportunity was like. Now, your first time was in February of last year right? So yep, that was before everything shut down, right? You had the opportunity to play when it was full house and full bore. Yeah, it was so crazy. Like, I think it was like, maybe two and a half weeks before the shutdown happened. So I performed on Valentine's Day. And then shortly after that, it was just like, you know, 
just went from 90 to nothing. So I will tell you, man, like my bucket list moving to Nashville has been playing the Grand Ole Opry. And I think it's a lot of people who move here and are planning on doing the artist thing, but like being able to stand up there in the circle where all your heroes have stood and, and being able to just like, be like, wow, like, I can't believe it. Like in a, in a weird kind of way, like I can believe it, but like, um, you're right where you're supposed to be. It was one of those moments for me. It was like, you're on the right track. Like you just keep doing your thing. And, um, it's such an honor every single time I get to play it for real. It's like, I was this last time I was just as excited and nervous. And then as soon as I step foot into that circle, it's like the world stopped turning just for a minute. And, um, I would tell you it was a little different this past time because, you know, people were wearing masks and you can't see them smile. You hope they're enjoying it, <laughs> but, um, but still the vibe and the feeling in the entire building is the same. And I think 20 years from now, when I'm still playing the Opry, I think I'll still have that same feeling. And that first time you played, you had talked about the fact that you were there when you were nine, when you traveled to Nashville and you remember the seat you were in. Now, when you actually, when you got up there and played, did you remember to look at that seat? Yes, it was the craziest thing. And actually this past time too, like, I just remember like literally staring out in front and then looking a little to your left in the back. I remember exactly where I was sitting and it made me feel like, wow, that little girl who was sitting there knowing that one day she'd be up there wasn't that crazy. How do you hold it together at that point? You don't, <laughs> you don't, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't No, It's, um, it's such a trip, man. It's, it's, I can't even describe the feeling of the, the first time I played the Opry, I definitely was like choking up and my whole entire family was there. It was just a cool moment for everybody. And you talked about COVID and the weirdness of it, but it gave you a chance to write a lot. And I heard that you had written over 200 songs during this time. Was that all for you or were you writing for others at that point as well? Um, you know, I've, I've written a few for other people. Um, right now, I feel like I'm definitely like focusing on you know, my own songs and stuff like that. But it's so fun also writing with other artists and like kind of being able to take yourself out of your shoes just for a minute, put yourself into theirs. And, and that's always so much fun for me because like I said, I would have considered myself a songwriter first and it kind of takes me back to, you know, where it started. So um, yeah, I've been most of most 200 of those are for me. Now there's been probably about 10 of those songs that we were just trying to write a dang good song, you know, at the end of the day, like if it's two artists in the room, um, it kind of like organically happens, like whoever is supposed to record it does, you know? So is there a difference then when you're writing for yourself or if you're writing for someone else, is it more personal when you're writing for yourself? Yes, it is. Um, like I love, here's the thing, like, I, I feel like I've, been able to have the opportunity to write with so many incredible writers here in town that I've kind of learned this thing from them. Maybe even if, if we are writing for myself, but it was an idea from somebody else, um, I'm able to put myself into the shoes of whatever that emotion is, even if I'm not feeling it um, for the next four or five hours or however long it takes us to write the song, I've been able to learn how to do that and like get into that headspace. But of course, I'm always like 
you know, pulling from certain experiences in my life, or if it's about heartbreak, if I'm not heartbroken the moment, I can easily go back to that, that time where I was. And that's like the good and bad thing about songwriting is you have to relive a whole lot because you have to tap in to certain emotions and that could be dangerous, you know? So does it take a lot sometimes to be able to tap into those emotions and think back and really get in that headspace? It does. It does. Um, some days are easier than others. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you're just sitting there like, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I can't, you know? And so we might just hang it up that day or we might start on a different idea, but, um, you know, the ones that you start, you know, they're worth finishing, you know? And so you're like, I know that I'm not like where I need to be right now. So let's just like, just put it on a shelf for just a little while. Let's revisit it when, um, when you're actually, you know, doing the song justice. And when you're picking from say a bank of 200 songs for an album, are there certain things that you're looking for when you're trying to build the album out? Yeah. So in, in this case, the record that just came out saying what I'm thinking, we actually decided that um, saying what I'm thinking, you know, being a title track, we kind of decided like every single song on the record was based off of saying what I'm thinking. So whether it was dirty looks or things a man ought to know or WWD, we asked ourselves the question, is this saying what I'm thinking? And if it wasn't, it didn't make the list, which okay. made it a lot easier and a lot more fun too. I mean, you know, we, because we, we had songs from one end of the spectrum to the other. And um, for me, you know, this project, it just kind of tied it in a little bow. And this is a very diverse album. And I talk to a lot of artists these days who kind of talk about the album going to the side a bit because it is so easy just to throw out singles every month and keep people interested. But this album really shows, I think, why we need albums because it takes you on a real journey, not only lyrically, but sonically in the different variations you you can never get comfortable when I'm listening to it I listen to a song I'm like oh okay this is the journey we're going on and then the next song it's like oh wait I wasn't expecting this and it goes like that throughout the entire album so I think that this is an important thing to have this album and to have it all together thank you yes you know it's so crazy um I wish albums and records were a little more popular than they are today because it really truly is a body of work you know I mean like it's it's fun too just cutting a song and recording a song and, and putting it out there as a single but when you can like tell a story with it like and really understand why like somebody put that song first or put that song last it really does tell a story and if if you pay attention most of the time when you look at, listen to a record it just uh it all makes sense and talk about your mom what song was it? You were doing gang vocals for one of the songs I haven't written down yes. here. Um, Beyond that. Yeah. Talk about that and just how involved your parents have continued to be over your career, over this 10 years of you being in Nashville. It was so wild. Like, okay. My, like I told you earlier, my mama cannot sing bless her heart. It's bad, like bad, bad. But um, she happened to be in Nashville that day. And my producer Jay Joyce was like, we need some gang vocals. We need some like women gang vocals. So he was like, is your mom in town? I'm like, yes. He said, well, how about we get her in here and let's see what she got. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, this <laughs> like it's not gonna be good. So, but she ended up making it onto the song, and it was it was cool because I was like, you know what, crazier things have happened, and my mama Michelle Wilson made it onto Neon Diamonds. How excited was she? She was pumped. She was like <laughs> rubbing it in my daddy's face. So. That's awesome. And you played a drive-in show earlier in 2020. Was that in uh, close to Baskin, like around your hometown? No, actually it was here in Nashville. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. It was in Nashville, Daddy's Dogs. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, when people like enjoyed the song, they would honk their horns. Or if they wanted like a, ha- a hot dog, they would like flash their lights. So it was a cool experience. Definitely like ready to get back to live shows, but uh, that being the second best, I'm okay with it. And I wasn't able to find it, but have you ever been able to go to Baskin and play like a full band, full concert? I have not. No. I have played the Catfish Festival, which is like 15 or 20 minutes up the road from my hometown, but it's going to be so cool to be able to go back to Baskin and uh, maybe have some kind of like farm festival or something like that, because there's nothing but a bunch of cornfields around. So it have you know, there's no amphitheaters, no theaters, nothing like that. So um, golly, everybody will be there hooting and hollering. And when you go back home, are you just one part of the farm still? Do they treat you any, any differently or are they just oh, like no. get to work? Yeah. It's so, it's crazy. It's like, as soon as I get there, my daddy's like, hey, take the trash to the end of the road. Hey, do this. Hey, do that. Hey, can you wash my truck and horse trailer? Hey, what about this? I'm like, all right now. Like, I've been out of the house for 10 years now. At some point in time, you're going to stop putting me to work? No, it ain't happening. I just know every single time I go home that uh, I might as well be ready to drive a tractor or do something. And you've been able to gain so many positive relationships in Nashville since you've been there on the songwriting side, on the artist side, how important are those to, I guess, staying sane in Nashville and living that life? Well, that's a great, great, great question. Um, So important, the most important, Um, you know, of course it's, it's important to have relationships with everybody in the music community on the business side, but also just like artists, because at the end of the day, like, you know, the top, the top dog right now, whether it's Luke Combs or whoever it is, you know, they've been right where you've been. And so like, if you need advice or whatever, um, they're, they completely understand exactly where you're at. So it's important to have those people in your corner and, um, not even just to get advice from, but also just like, um, talking about you to other people. That is so important. And building those friendships and relationships is what does that. And I'll tell you a a really cool story. Um, So one of my best friends, Ashley McBride, she just, she's incredible at what she does, but not only is she just super talented, she's just kind, she's kind hearted. And I remember this one story specifically where I think we were in Texas somewhere. We were on the road together and I was just opening acoustic and we were on the bus later that night. We were having some whiskey. The truth started coming out. And, um, and Ashley told me, she was like, Lainey, she said, I want to help you over this wall. She said, I want to take your hand and I want to help you over this wall, but you got to promise me that, um, whenever you find somebody who you love and believe in as much as I do you, that you do the same exact thing for them. And I said, wow, 
like that's what it's about right there. It's about having people like Ashley McBride, people who love you and believe in you in your corner. And I can't wait to be able to do that for somebody. Yeah, I was going to say you've spent so much time sort of creating your own path. Are you at that point yet where you found anyone that you've been able to sort of help out in that way? I feel like I'm almost there. I feel like I'm like right there at the at the brink of it. And of course, you know, I mean, we're all just trying to like find the next thing for ourselves. <laughs> but um, but I definitely there's so many people here in town that I love and believe in, you know, so it would kind of be hard to just like be like, I want to, I want to help you specifically, but yes, I mean, at the end of the day, like if somebody's working hard and busting their ass, just trying to get something going and nothing's happening for them, like the best thing I could possibly do is really just like mentioning their name to people who, and, and just keep mentioning their name, you know, mm-hmm. um, because eventually they'll be like, who are you talking about? <laughs> and um, that's how it works here in town. It's like, you just got to be kind to people, work hard and be kind. And at some point in time, your time will be coming. And you talk about continuing to build opportunities for yourself and you know, your time comes, but when you look back on the last 10 years and maybe your name hasn't been in lights, but for the last 10 years, you've been in Nashville doing what you've always dreamed of. So do you sometimes as much as you don't want to look back and you want to look ahead, do you sometimes have to look back and say, I've been doing this. Like I might not be where I want to be ultimately, but I've been doing this as a career for the past 10 years. Yes, of course. You know, I, I look back at moments. I'm like, sometimes I revisit it just to like prove to myself just how far I have come. Um, and I am a firm believer that timing is everything. And like I said, I've always known that eventually I was going to have my time. And I know that really the hard work is just beginning. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm thankful that I have like put in as much work as I have 10 years worth of work here in Nashville, just because it gives me a story to tell. You know, it shows that, like, if you keep your head down and your blinders on and you don't take no for an answer at some point in time, it's, the stars have to align. So. I remind myself of that quite a bit. And do you think that makes you a better writer? Do you think if you had an easy time of it, if you were just like an overnight success that you would be as good a writer as you are, or does it take those experiences to build up that emotion and be able to draw from those situations when you're writing? Exactly what you just said. Um, I definitely, I'm so thankful that I'm thankful it's been hard. And that sounds crazy because, of course, you know, I mean, like right when I first moved to town, of course, I wanted, you know, for it to pop off just like that and and me just be able to make a living doing my thing. And um, but looking back on it now, I wouldn't change a dang thing. I wouldn't change those freezing nights in my camper trailer or when a tornado would roll through and I'd be rocking about to fly away. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't change any of that because at the end of the day, yes, it has it's made me a better writer, but also it's just made me a better person in general. So I'm thankful for what I have. And um, sometimes I can come across almost a little too thankful. It's like, you know, being like, Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. But like at the end of the day, yes, I have worked for it. So um, I will always be appreciative though of everything. And you have the character skits on your social media. Is there acting in your future perhaps? It absolutely is. Yep. 
I mean, I act a fool all the time, so I figured why not just, you know, <laughs> at some point in time, I would love to do, I mean, yes, those are like funny, you know, little skits and stuff like that. And I love having like alter egos, but I would love to dabble in stuff like that. Um, in the beginning, I was a little, it scared me, but I'm also the kind of person where I'm like, you got to do things that scare you, <laughs> you know, that's what life's about. Yeah. And you talk about being scared. I wanted to talk about, um, let me see where I wrote this. I have so many notes. I can't even, uh, 2016 on channel 10 ABC and how far you've come from that girl sitting there with her guitar ready to play on TV to now. Oh my gosh. I like night and day. You know, what's weird though. Like even if I, I watched a video of me, um, in the studio, literally in 2019, making this record. And looking back, I'm like, I don't even feel like the same person. You know, I'm interested to see, like, if, if I could video this moment right now, you know, and, and we are, but like, um, to like watch it two years from now to see like, if I'm uh, like, if I've just like found myself a little more, cause that's kind of how I feel. I feel like every day, I don't know if it's just cause the older I get or what, but I feel like I'm, I've really figured out like who I am, what I want to say and how I want to say it. And um, that's what I'm going to continue doing. So yes, it's, it's strange and cool and all of it to look back and be like, wow, you've come a long way. That's awesome. Well, yeah, there's so much more I could talk to you about, but I've taken up a lot of your time and I know that you've been doing this a lot lately. So I just Thank appreciate you. you taking the time to talk to me and yeah, good luck Thank with you, everything man. and the new album and moving forward. And once shows get up and running, getting out there and actually being able to play this album live, which I imagine will be an exciting thing. Oh my gosh. So exciting. I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. Dang it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thank you. And have a great day. And yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, man. See ya. Mm -hmm.